every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. And to find out more about our ministry projects worldwide, go to our ministry website, 18catalyst.org. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the 51st episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Falkenstein, and I am actually flying solo today. My co-host, Ken Watmore, isn't with me, at least in part because we have another special guest uh, coming on the show here in a bit. My good friend, uh, David Joannis, is going to be joining us, and he's joining us because this is another Made for Missions country profile episode. This time we're focusing in on the great country of Thailand, formerly known as the Kingdom of Thailand. And Thailand, there's a lot that's going on there. And particularly since I've got a friend who lives in Thailand, my good friend David Joannis, I thought, you know, that'd be a great episode to do. So, yeah, so I'm glad that uh, you all are with us uh, today. Of course, you know, I'm particularly excited. We're getting close to a full year of Made for Mission podcast episode. And so next week, actually, for the 52nd episode of the podcast, we'll be doing a special one-year anniversary episode where we're going to be taking some of uh, Ken and I's favorite moments from the last year replaying those and then making a, a few comments. You know, I think we've actually done, you know, a lot of good podcast episodes and in particular those that we've had where we've had folks who've been uh, with us, uh, guests that have been with us. You know, I think about uh, Todd Wagner and his crew that were with us the several times now that my friend David Joannis has been with us. You know, we've had a lot of folks, uh, Justin Long and Ray from uh, Reach 1040 and on and on it's it's gone. And so we've had some pretty good episodes, I think. And so be sure to join us uh, next week for our special anniversary, one-year anniversary episode of the Made for Missions podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have done this for the last year, and I've just really enjoyed having you guys with us. So for this episode, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do the history of the country portion of the country profile, and then the history of missions and then we'll take our break. We'll let our friend uh, Tom Muller come in and say a few words. And then uh, when we come back from that break, we'll actually then have David Joannis join us. And he's going to talk a little bit about some of the other points that we normally do, you know, current opportunities for um, folks who have a heart for Thailand, the greatest obstacles to the gospel in Thailand, what the state of the, the Christian church is there. And obviously, since he lives in Thailand, he has a kind of a firsthand on the ground perspective. So anyway, so I've really enjoyed doing a little bit of research about the history of the country. Like a lot of Asian countries, Thailand has a very long history. So we're talking about 
you know, over four, well before 4,000 uh, BC, there were folks there who were hunter-gatherers. They then began kind of doing some farming. Uh, they grew rice. At first, the farmers there, you know, they used these stone tools. And about 3,000 BC, bronze was discovered. And so, you know, we're talking about a very long history of people who have inhabited what we now know as Thailand. The first time that Thailand was divided into small states was, was about 100 AD. At that time, they were already practicing Theravada Buddhism, which actually you'll see is a, a theme in Thailand. The far majority of people in Thailand are Buddhist. And so, of course, that then gets into what are the opportunities there? What are the challenges there? So the ancestors of modern Thais, however, are believed to have come from southern China. So they immigrated or migrated to Thailand between the 10th century and 13th century AD. The first Europeans to reach Thailand were the Portuguese in 1511. They were followed by the Dutch in 1605. Shortly thereafter, the English and then the French in 1662. So from that period until the 1800s, we had uh, the beginning of what was sort of a, a monarchy system where kings ruled. Really, the first king that I noticed that seemed like uh, began to move uh, Thailand into a more modern state was a, a king by the name of Rama. In 1809, he was then succeeded by his son, of course, Rama II. And during this time, Rama one, one, two, and three, their reigns uh, in you know in terms of Thai culture, Thai culture flourished. And so, King Rama the fourth allowed the British to to live in Thailand, and uh, he allowed also them to trade freely. He signed treaties with them, with many other Western countries, and, and encouraged the study of Western science. Which you know, a lot of these Asian cultures, because they were isolated from the West and vice versa, Europe in particular, you know, they were very fascinated by, I think, Western science. And so Rama V then, who reigned starting in 1868, abolished the custom that subjects must prostrate themselves in the king's presence. He also abolished slavery. He also reformed the government. In the 19th century, Thailand avoided being colonized by the Europeans which again is something we see very commonly in this part of history, in world history. And so they're one of the few countries in Southeast Asia that were never colonized by the Europeans. And so, which I think we remember, if you remember, Ethiopia was the same way, one of the few countries in the African continent to have done that as well. So we get to modern Thailand, and in modern Thailand, we're talking about July 1917, Thailand joined World War One. So they then had an army and they were on the allied side. Interestingly, as it happened in with a lot of people, a lot of countries in the 1940s, uh, Thailand agreed the Japanese troops to pass through the country to attack Malaysia. As it turned out, the Japanese then occupied Thailand. And so, yeah, we, and that was just, you know, the Japanese military at that time. In the after World War II, 90,000 Thai guerrillas fought the Japanese. They were able to repel them off. In 1946, Thailand signed peace treaties with Britain and France. It's the same year that Thailand joined the UN. So we see a continual trend where we're seeing them, you know, come into the modern times. In the 1970s, there were a number of student demonstrations that they were really, of course, a lot of times it's the students, right, that are that are demanding, you know, more modern um, uh, constitution, 
you know, we have this period of time where on and off the army would actually rule Thailand, then the king would then get the control back again, back and forth. And so, you know, in 1992, the Thai people took to the streets to rebel against this uh, military-led government. Thailand eventually returned to a civil government. And so what we see today is what we call a constitutional monarchy. So you have the king, who is still the king, but there is a prime minister. There is still a cabinet that is elected both by the prime minister and the king. So it seems like a very stable, fairly stable government at this point. And so in the the 21st century, what we see today is Thailand has continued to grow economically. They're now a prosperous country and their economy is growing steadily. Of course, tourism is booming. Population of Thailand now is somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 67 million. And so for those who have a heart for Thailand and potentially a, a heart to be able to go there, you know, you're going to find a very friendly place to go to do your work. And so now let's talk quickly about the history of missions in Thailand. And so Thailand, as I mentioned, has always been a Buddhist country. And so in Thailand, Buddhism is often described more as a way of life than a religion. Uh, Buddhism pervades Thai life and influences their conduct in countless subtle ways. Over 95% of the Thai people are members of the this Theravada Buddhist sect. Thailand, though, has long been tolerant of other religions, uh, but the numbers involved are quite small. You know, we've got uh, something on the line of 250,000 Christians, small group of Hindus, small group of Muslims, uh, Sikhs. Uh, there is complete uh, freedom to worship, however, and so, you know, with the exemplified by the role of the king, the current king of uh, Thailand is protector of all of all religions. In terms of the history of Christianity in Thailand, the Portuguese were the first Europeans to, to, to arrive in Thailand in 1518, and they were allowed to open a Christian mission. You know, we see kind of through that time period that the, you know, from 1518 till 1688, the Western missionaries were allowed to come into to Thailand when that the latest king who allowed them to be there died in 1688. Members of the government, fearing the missionaries' proselytizing efforts, killed or expelled all Westerners from Thailand. It remained a closed country to the European for the Europeans for the next hundred years. So then we fast forward then to 1780, where the king, King Taksin allowed French missionaries to enter Thailand like the previous Thai king and helped him uh, build a church, actually. And so we see people coming from the Western countries. Protestant missionaries arrived in 1828. And, you know, they, although they were not all that successful during this time period to make many converts, their non-religious impact was profound. They brought modern scientific knowledge and Western medicine to the country. In 1835, American missionaries set up the first printing press using the Thai alphabet. And so, you know, this is another example of, well, A, there's no impact without contact. And if if, if your mode of contact is, you know, serving the people, that at least allows you the opportunity to do it. So through the rest of the 1800s, we're seeing, you know, missionaries come, even the king of Thailand at that time was was uh, at least interested in uh, Christianity, and he is quoted as saying, "What you teach them to do is admirable, but what you teach them to believe is foolish." Still, he saw no harm in the Christian faith if it helped other people, and both the Catholics and Protestants benefited from his help. 
through the early part of uh, the now 20th century, the Presbyterian missionaries saw growth occur in the Thai church. This began to level off after a few years. Then during the World War II, numbers declined, but began to rise again after the war ended when there was an influx of missionaries and mission organizations like OMF, New Tribes Mission, you know, they were involved. It was not until the 1970s that any significant trends began to be established in terms of church growth. And as we'll hear from our friend uh, David, you know, there are some parts of Thailand that are seeing greater growth than other areas. And so, you know, even though, to, to finish this section, even though to be born Thai means to be born Buddhist, the average Thai person is not much more of a Buddhist than many other people in the Western world consider themselves to be Christian, right? So they're kind of Buddhist in name only. Some rituals are followed by most people, but only a few follow all the rules of Buddhism. It seems that Buddhism has lost a lot of its attraction to the Thai people. And so that would give then potentially anyway, the, the Christian message a even greater opportunity to take hold. Because potentially, if they're tired of that message, they've not found uh, satisfaction, that hole in their hearts may allow the gospel to pervade. So let's take a little break. I'd love to introduce you again to my good friend, David Joannis. When David comes back, he's going to give you some on-the-ground information about Thailand. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Tom Moeller. There may be many of you who are confused about China and the most effective ways of Christian engagement. Mike Falkenstein has written this book for you. There is much confusion and many questions persist about China. Does persecution exist? Can Christians in China worship freely? Is it still necessary to smuggle Bibles? Being outside of China, how can I most effectively pray for and engage in God's work in China? Are China's unregistered churches able to worship freely? Many people are confused by these questions and issues. China is like a huge puzzle with many pieces and moving parts. It's hard to identify all that's happening today in China. In his book, The Chinese Puzzle, Mike gives you the other pieces for a much clearer picture of China and her church. To get your copy today, contact Mike at mike at chinaresourcecenter.org for pricing and shipping options. Contact Mike today. Well, folks, thanks again for tuning in to the second half of this Made for Missions Country Profile episode. I've got with me uh, David Joannis, who's been on the podcast a couple of times before. And I thought, uh, David, it'd be great for you to join us for this country profile in particular, since it's on Thailand and you actually live in Thailand. And so I'm wondering if you could give us a quick overview of the current state of the Christian church in Thailand, it sounds like, I did a little reading in advance, it seems like there are some Christians in Thailand, there's, you know, more, it sounds like more uh, concentrated in the north, I think kind of where you are, than in other places, but from your perspective, give us kind of the current state of the Christian church in Thailand. Yeah, well, it is great to be back on with you, and uh, yes, I am here in Thailand, I've been here for three years but been coming back and forth here for for many years. The current state of the church in Thailand, it's a very strange and juxtaposed response, I would say. Right now, there's 97% Buddhism in Thailand, Mm. less than 1% Christian. There's a really great resource, I think you're going to make it available too in the show notes, by E-Star Foundation. 
Yeah, so for those of you who want to check it out, one of the most incredible views that I get is this this map that shows every single province in Thailand, and then it shows its color range of percentage of Christians, and it's staggering to see like zero percent, zero to point one percent, such low percentages of Christians in each province. But you're right. Yes, the overall population of Christianity is in the north, where there's the tribal presence near Myanmar, near Laos. There's uh, the ethnic people groups who gravitate towards the gospel much easier than the Thai. For because we say in, in Thailand here, to be Thai is to be Buddhist, mm. and it is just a cultural aspect that has dominated and permeated every aspect of Thai culture. Okay. So it's interesting that there's more of these, maybe what you would call minor, are the, these people groups, these tribal people groups, are they more sort of, would they be considered also minority people groups in Thailand as well? Yes, definitely minority. We don't say minority so much here as we do in China. Uh, They'll call them hill tribes or tribal peoples. But yeah, they they do have a tendency to gravitate more towards the gospel. I think there's a number of reasons. Linguistic even plays into it. There's similarities with backgrounds and in, in language. Then specifically poverty and the fact that there's refugee status, they're roaming around and there is great focus in among among the Hill Tribe people by the Christian missionary outreach. Whereas Strangely, talk about the status of the church in Thailand. There are thousands and thousands of missionaries here in Thailand, but most missionaries actually are focused on bordering countries or countries outside of Thailand because they're seeing growth. They're seeing breakthrough in in Myanmar, in Laos, in Cambodia, in China. But to see breakthrough and the gospel take root in Thailand, where there's such a strong cultural Theravada Buddhism heritage, it's it's difficult. It's tough grounds. And although oh. the first missionaries came here before 1840, but in the 1840s, some of the first Baptists arrived, there's been pockets of breakthrough, but not an overall overarching kind of cultural shift in the country. Okay. So it sounds like you're sort of answering the the next part of our that we always do with our country profiles, which is biggest obstacles to the growth of Christianity, which sounds like I'm hearing, yeah, to, like you said, to be Thai is to be Buddhist, right? Yeah. So I guess I'm curious to know generally what you think the biggest obstacles are, and then maybe specifically, I mean, if all it seems like the, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming there are some of these missionaries that are that are focusing on these Thai Buddhists, is that right? Yeah. Yes, yes, you're right. And, you know, overall, the problem is the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And so you have, yes, thousands of missionaries, but there are tens of millions of ties. And so I think there's a few issues that are very difficult. Number one, if you're a Western or foreign missionary in Thailand, already there seems to be a negative connotation of the Westerner, specifically, you got these backpackers, you got Tourists who come to Thailand only for the negative reasons. Thailand's sex industry is massive. And so we are automatically kind of synchronized into this similar group. To be Thai is to be Buddhist. Well, to be a Westerner, (laughs) you know, whether you're a Christian missionary or not, you kind of get lumped in together with 
the bad group, the bad guys. Yeah, that's that's a difficult hurdle to overcome. Just on the Western Christian missionary side, I would say another one. A while back, I on my website, davidjoannis.com, I, I curate and share a lot of other people's posts. And I came across this really amazing post. It was called John 3.16 from a Thai Buddhist worldview. Totally opposite. Have you had a chance to check that out, Mike? You know, I I happen to see it, but I know I actually I haven't read it, but we'll be sure yeah. to put it in the show notes for folks to be able to read it. Yeah, well, I just thought it was intriguing that the way we would say the most pivotal scripture in Christendom, let's say John 3.16, for God to love the world, well, they're, the connotation of words and what they mean and in through the lens of a Buddhist worldview are so completely different. So just communicating the gospel in a relevant way can be quite difficult. The fact that, let's say, in Chiang Mai alone, where I live, northern Thailand, there's over 550 Buddhist temples. You know, everywhere you look, I think I think this originally started back in the 1930s when there was a Thai cultural mandate and a strong sense of Thailand's cultural community began to form. Previously, they were kind of struggling to find who they were, and some nations still are. Thailand, however, has a strong presence and pride in their cultural heritage. Even if they speak fluent English, they'll greet you with a Saudi kap or Saudi ka. And so to be Thais, to be Buddhist, kind of really does permeate every aspect of the culture. And still, there are some amazing things happening, though. The growth rate of Christianity is growing tremendously, I think because of new strategies and new ways of trying to reach people in relevant methods. And, and again, I'll make those available in the show notes so you can check out where the Christians are, who, who's, where we're seeing revival and the pockets of revival are happening and some obstacles. Okay, great. And that'll give you some, obviously, some, uh, some things to be praying about, too, for the work going on in Thailand too, right? So, yeah, yeah. well, David, you know, with these podcast episodes, of course, we always run across people who've said, gosh, you know, I've, I've long had a heart for that country. And boy, if I were to participate in some way in what God is doing, give us an idea from your perspective in terms of current needs and opportunities for, particularly, you know, for the Westerners who may think, yeah, maybe God's calling me to serve in Thailand. Yeah, well, that's awesome. We always talk about how the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So, I mean, there are going to be people who are listening to this podcast who say, it's me. I have got to go. I want to go. You know, there's there's power in short-term missions. Even more so, there is sacrifice and breakthrough in, in a commitment to the global heart of God for, for people. There are so many opportunities to work overseas in Thailand for an extended period of time. And I would, before I, I mention some of those, I would just preface it by saying this. We often have a tendency in our missionary venture to only focus on the humanitarian aspect of things and that there's great ministries being done among people that have a humanitarian twist or focus. But I would say if you're going to give yourself to Thailand or to Southeast Asia or to even just come on a short-term exposure trip, make sure you're doing something that is gospel-centered and is sharing the gospel on a regular basis instead of getting kind of 
kind of locked into a situation where you originally wanted to come and, and, and impact people, but you end up just building houses or pushing paper. <laughs> you know, what we really need is people rubbing shoulders with other people, a transference of spiritual DNA, talking to people and, and you know, being Jesus to those who have never had a chance to hear what in the world a Jesus is. Exactly Sorry about right. that, Mike. <laughs> that was a long-winded preface. <laughs> no, that's good because, you know, that's what we often say is you can, yeah, you can feed people and that's that's fine and good. But if they spend eternity separated from God, you know, the the opportunity is, uh, you know, less effective, right? You're right. And and good intentions are paving the road to hell. Let me yeah, let's exactly just be clear. Right. All that to say, all that to say, there are amazing opportunities to come to Thailand. I would love to give a number of organizations to come work with. We could either we could make more available on the show notes, but everything from teaching English to orphan care, refugee work, gospel outreach among college students is huge. I mean, college students are college students are college students. Everywhere you go, there there's such a similarity. You want to see breakthrough in Thailand? Go reach out among college students. They're they're ripe for the picking. There's groups like Partners Relief and Development, Free Burma Rangers, a number of others that are working in and around Thailand. There are all you have to do really is is Google missionary work in Thailand or specified by what kind of what your passion or your heart is. If you want to work among orphans, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, there's so many out here. Specific calling, if you have a very kind of pinpoint calling among or towards the the sex industry, that is a huge need here in Thailand. I would pray about connecting and partnering in a real relational, healthy way with either some organization or an individual who's in Thailand, contact them, and then plan a first trip. So you come for a short or extended period of time, and then really seek God about what it looks like to partner long-term in Thailand. So that could mean maybe you don't come long-term to Thailand, but you're investing your life or your finances, your prayers into Thailand. The second one is you do move to Thailand and you could see true impact. But again, build relationships through existing organizations that are here or individuals. And then relationally, I believe that you'll be able to see true impact as you as you follow the heart of God and put yourself in precarious situations. None of the status quo, boring kind of, well, this is how missions has always been done, so I'm going to do it too. God's got a unique calling for everyone. And dare something big, dream big. You get you only get what you settle for. So <laughs> when right. you yeah, when you put yourself in these precarious situations, guess who shows up? God shows up. The Holy Spirit is in charge and begins to touch people in ways that you would never be able to otherwise. That's really great. Let me ask you something else real quick, David. Tell me a little bit about the um opportunities, if there are any, to kind of help the national church in Thailand to become self-supporting missionary sending? Are there are there needs in kind of the area of theological training or, you know, helping the, the national church? There definitely is. The Thai church, though it is growing, it is a new growth in many ways. Although there has been a Christian presence in history here in Thailand, they definitely need people sowing into them and theological ways, either by training, discipleship, etc. I would encourage you to go to this really cool app. If you go to thaichurches.org, that's T-H-A-I, thaichurches.org. 
org. There's a really cool app called Tutai, T-U-T-H-A-I. I think it's available in both iOS and Android. Okay. And basically what it does is it gives you a church map, a Christian presence map. It shows you where every single church is located, where the Christians are, where they are not by province, some language stuff. It's it's really cool. A free app, T-U-T-H-A-I, to Thai, and you can find it on thaichurches.org. So if you're wanting, if you're a church, if you're a pastor, if you're an individual who says, hey, yeah, I want to be able to join a church and empower local indigenous efforts to reach their own people groups, well, you got to know where the churches are and who's doing right. what. This this app, I would say, is is very helpful. If wow. I'm speaking about Northern Thailand, I would say there's one particular church that's called Abundant Grace Church here in Chiang Mai that is really seeing revival in a in a powerful way. I'd be happy to connect you with them as well if, if someone wanted to. That's great. Well, that's great. And it sounds like that app would be perfect. Yeah. And of course, you know, that's kind of where a lot of times I have my eyes as okay, what's the national church up to and how can we serve their growth and development, right? So Yes, yes. Uh, Instead of building our own Western uh, kingdoms, that's the last thing we want to do. You don't that's need right. another branded Western church in Thailand. You want an indigenous, local-led Thai church. And it might take some outside effort, but in the end, Revelation 7-9, we want to see every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and we want to hear them speaking Thai as they throw down those palm branches and say, glory <laughs> to you. So, uh-huh. so um, I, I pray that that's people's hearts as they listen. Well, David, thanks so much for your insight. And it's great having you on from time to time. You're a real resource to us. Thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure. And uh, by the way, I, I'll do a shameless plug here. <laughs> I yeah, just please. wrote my... I just wrote a book. It's called The Space Between Memories. I'm I'm very excited to, you know, just to inspire more people for the mission field and what God is doing in Southeast Asia specifically. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, paperback and Kindle, The Space Between Memories. And you could also go to thespacebetweenmemories.com to check it out. So uh, I'll end with that. Sorry, Mike, a little shameless uh, plug there. No, I'm glad you did. And of course, we'll have your your website's in the show notes. I really encourage folks to go and visit those as well. Great. Thanks Well, again. thank you so much for having me on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us for this, the 51st episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I hope this is an encouragement to you, especially for those of you who may have a deep heart for Thailand. You know, what we envision in these uh, country profile episodes is folks out there that have gone, you know, just... I've had a heart for Thailand for a long time. And, you know, this gives you an opportunity to get involved. I would uh, highly uh, recommend that you get in touch with my friend David Joannis with Within Reach Global. So you can go to withinreachglobal.org. All his contact information will be in the show notes of this podcast. And, uh, you know, that's what we find. I just spoke at a church a couple weeks ago, talked about the 1-8 Catalyst new project in North Korea. And there was a 75-year-old American woman who came to me afterwards and she said, for the last 20 years, I've been praying every day for North Korea, but not really knowing what we could do. We'd love to partner with you in this new project. And so, you know, there are people all over the world that have just got a heart for a particular place and they don't know where to start. And so that's kind of our heart with here at the Made for Missions podcast. So we'd love to connect. Of course, I'm at uh, Twitter on Twitter at Missions Mike. Uh, my co-host Ken Watmore is at Ken Watmore. 
Our friend David Joannis is at David Joannis. And so we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Please let us know what questions or comments or you have. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll look forward to having you for the special one-year anniversary episode of the Made for Mission podcast next week. <laughs>